You can subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee now and save 20% off in perpetuity. That's right. Strava Craft Coffee subscription is available for you. I know a lot of you have taken advantage of the one-time 20% off code, but now you can sign up. You can choose your interval of when you want it sent straight to your door, and you can be guaranteed that you're always going to get that 20% off. So make sure you check out the Strava Craft Coffee subscription. And if you just want to try it out for the first time, you can, of course, use DNVR20 to get 20% off your first order. Or you can come down to the DNVR bar and have some of our delicious CBD-infused cold brew, which we have on tap. Whatever it is, make sure you check out Strava Craft Coffee today. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. They'll put a dynamic education at your fingertips and not force you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution for providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. So make sure you head over to msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. We're talking 40-plus online and hybrid programs in 750 total classes, so there's something for everyone. msudenver.edu slash online. Check it out. My boys! <laughs> happy Tuesday. Mace is taking his headphones off. I love it. And, guys, happy Tuesday because training camp schedule is officially out. Yeah, you know what? It's funny because um, – I realized I don't know if I can have the screaming in my ears, even though it's a joyful scream, but we have a little less screaming on the air because Deion Sanders is leaving NFL Network. Did you guys see that this morning? <laughs> I did yes. not see that. The, uh, I, honestly, I just I, – I couldn't watch anything he was on. I just couldn't. I, I did not like being yelled at all the time. <laughs> not a fan of Deion on, on NFL Network. The network got better today. Well, uh, I, I actually recently became a cord cutter, so I wasn't planning on watching any NFL n- uh, network programming anytime soon anyway. <laughs> oh, so, like, so you're not even getting one of those streaming services that has the various channels and all that, like DirecTV Now or whatever? I guess I have a few things. Um, uh, Xfinity's trying to peddle their version of that right now. Mm-hmm. So they gave it to us for free. Uh, I made sure there wasn't some like, you know, catch where it was going to start kicking in after a few months. But uh, so we have one of those things. Uh, you know, the, the truth is we moved really close to the bar. And so yeah. uh, my whole thought on it was anytime I desperately need cable, I can walk a couple blocks down the street uh, and, and go to the bar and uh, and hang out there. So uh I won't be watching. I, I used to, uh, to be honest. I used to watch Good Morning Football in the mornings, and that's a great program. But uh, it's probably off the table for me now. And uh, how's the lawn? Did you get some tips for the lawn? Make that thing green, dude. Never have I regretted posting a tweet more than that one. <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> I read but, through it. It seemed like there were some good tips. There were. There was like 
12 good tips and then 140 people telling me to water the lawn. Like <laughs> I know to put some damn water on the ground. I was trying to look for some extra tips to fill in some of the gaps in there. Uh, Mace was helpful. Uh, there are a few people who are helpful out there, but everyone's like, oh, water it. When's the last time you watered it? I'm like, I just moved in three days ago. <laughs> this isn't my fault. I'm trying to <laughs> prior wrongdoings. I know. Well, <laughs> yeah, we're just trying to help you. I mean, I, I had the same problem with my yard. And, uh, I, and I know I, I, part of my solution was watering it. But what I meant is that you have to be rigorous on watering it every day if the seed that you put down is going to take. It's like one of those things where if you miss one day, it's going to go askew. But like we had all these bald spots the last couple of summers and toward about this time, toward the end of the summer, like you, I just got, I went to the, I went to the Home Depot, got some of the, uh, the grass seed stuff that you, it's literally just like you put down at the golf course, like I said. And as long as I watered every day, within a few weeks, couldn't tell the difference. That's great to hear uh, because people are giving me all sorts of crazy ideas. <laughs> also, I guess I should have clarified that I don't own this place because everyone's like, rip it out and put in AstroTurf. <laughs> I'm like, listen, listen, not trying to put, you know, thousands of dollars into this thing. I just want it to look nice for the one-ish year that I'm going to be living here. Hey, you're going you're gonna to mow it really, really, really thin so you can just putt on it? Yeah, I'm thinking uh, – I'll set up a hole at the bar and then a tee box uh, in my front yard and just try and uh, try and hit it in there. What are we talking? A short par three? I don't. That's actually a good question. I think it would probably be a par four. Okay. Maybe, I don't know. It's it's, uh, it's hard to tell actually. <laughs> I guess you'll just have to get the driver out and see. Back in college, we used to play. Oh God, what did we call it? What is it? Is it urban golf? I don't know. You you would just have a tennis ball, uh, and you keep your normal golf clubs, and then you just pick a hole like a tree across, you know, <laughs> the, the quad, and just smash it up there. And whoever gets it gets to hit the tree in the least amount of tries is the best. I should start doing that around my neighborhood. <laughs> that would be a way to uh, be become the the happy new neighbor on the block. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So anyways, uh, yes, I will put water on the grass. Thanks, guys. Thanks to the 94 people who told me to do that. <laughs> well, defending those 94 people, uh, Ryan, you gave me a great opportunity to use a SpongeBob GIF. How, how could I pass that up? I just, I feel like people were acting like I hadn't watered the grass. <laughs> and I was like, look, I just got here. Give me a break. <laughs> I can't wait to see a picture next year of that, that lawn looking nice and green. I can't either. Uh, so anyway, speaking of nice grass, the Broncos will be on some nice grass here starting on Friday, which is just crazy to me. It's coming up so quick. Uh, and we officially found out that one of the three of us is going to be there every day, which is, I'll call it a win from our perspective. You know, it was kind of the bare minimum that I was hoping for, but, um, you know, on the bet show, we always say a push is a win. Um, and that's how I feel here. We, we kind of pushed, uh, but we'll take, I'm calling that a win. We'll, we'll have one of us there every day, which means that every day that you listen to this podcast, there's going to be perspectives from someone who is at training camp. Uh, you know, the first segment will probably be, uh, different than normal, but it'll, it'll sort of be an interview from those of us who weren't there to those of us who were there. 
and uh, and we'll we'll try to give you guys the best possible information. Of course, we'll also have a training camp write up every day with our observations from there. Uh, we'll be having exclusive interviews like we have in the past. Uh, and I guess the one programming note that everyone should know is that uh, we're switching it up this year. Uh, and I know a lot of you are going to be really happy about this because in the past, uh, we had gone in the mornings before training camp, which means in the morning before training camp, we were talking about yesterday's training camp practice. And honestly, that was a lot based on the fact that that was the time the Broncos were giving us space at the Valley to record our podcast was in the mornings. That's changing this year to this year. We will not only be recording our podcast directly after practice and interviews end, we'll be going live after every practice and after uh, interviews end, meaning you will not have to wait at all to hear our observations. Of course, some of you I'm sure will uh, prefer to listen to the recorded version, but you will have the option to listen in to us right after we get done and get those observations directly into your ear holes as fast as possible. That's what we're going to offer this year. And it's something that I'm really, really, really excited about. Me too. It, it, it's going to be the best training camp coverage again, live right after practice. And I'm so pumped that we're at least going to have one of us there. Of course, we're all used to being there, but in, in these crazy times, there's not going to be a lot of media there. So the fact that we're going to have representation every single day is going to be great. And I, of course, look forward to being at, at uh, you know, a third of the practices representing us. But I also am stoked that I get to go on right after practice that I'm not there and talk to an insider who was there. I get to learn just as you guys learn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just it, – I mean, the only thing is it's, it's unusual and uh, – I'm going to have to let go of something myself because I tend to only trust my own observations. And now I'm going to have to trust you guys to be exactly right on what you see. <laughs> so I have trust issues in general in life. So this is even with people that I know and respect. So this is, this is hard for me. This is going to take some getting used to. It, it's going to be weird all around. And I think uh, a cool thing that's going to happen is we're going to, half you know it, it's gonna be sort of like telephone where mace you, you might come back from a practice and say hey i saw this and then you pass it on to me and i go to the next practice i'm looking for that and then i come back the next day i'm like look i looked for it it wasn't there i didn't you know yeah. and then it, zach is like the tiebreaker there's gonna be some interesting uh storylines it's gonna be uh kind of cool i think for us to say hey i saw this make sure you're looking out for that tomorrow uh and then someone to come back and say look you know drew lock's footwork looked great i didn't see the issues that you were talking about i keyed in on it and you know whatever it is um we're gonna have to rely on each other to continue the story of the day before and the other thing is like sometimes some guys are just gonna have bad days so yep. You know, maybe Zach and I are going to be raving about a guy and RK, and then you're going to see him and you're going to be like, I don't see what the fuss is. He, you know, he dropped a couple of passes. He, you know, ran a couple, ran a couple of the wrong routes. I mean, this is sort of what's, what's going to be interesting. So I think maybe something that is sort of worth doing is when we get through, say, the first 14, 15 days or so, kind of reassess and maybe, maybe something that we're each doing as we go along with this is 
going through maybe not the whole roster, but a good chunk of the roster and saying, you know, wish guys had good days, wish guys had, you know, average days or just nothing notable and wish guys had bad days and then sort of kind of adding them up at the end. So we get more of a, we get an aggregate here and maybe we can kind of figure, separate the, the reality from, uh, from maybe an opinion being too biased based on one good day or one bad day that one of us may see. So this is, it's, it's a new experience, but we'll figure it out. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be so fun. Uh, and it, it is going to be different. I mean, the three of us uh, can say that what in the, you know, five years that Zach and I have been covering the team and Mace much longer for you. I don't know if I've ever missed any training camp practices. Yeah. Uh, and we're all guaranteed to miss a few this year. I have, I was late for, I was late for one uh, around the Hall of Fame last year on Sunday. And I missed one back in 04 when John Elway went to the Hall of Fame. So honestly, Friday morning, I'm going to be busy because Friday is uh, the, the, the moving day for me, but it's going to be, it's going to be weird not being out there. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm, going to try to have my mind on other things actually during practice because I'm going to feel it's going to be strange knowing that they're practicing and not being out there but that's just the reality we're in in 2020 a lot of people who would normally be out there are not going to be there on an everyday basis yeah exactly. I'm, just glad, I'm glad that I'm going to get a, be able to get out there and see these guys at all uh, and that training camp is actually happening uh, and that as far as we know so far so is the season you know the, the, those are the small wins I'm looking for at this point. Um, speaking of things we're going to be looking for at training camp, this weekend I was on uh, – I guess it would have been Friday. Jeez, the days just go by so fast. On Friday, I was on with our friends Ryan Edwards and Benjamin Albright and uh, Broncos Country Tonight. And they came down to the DNVR bar to record, and it was awesome. And uh, while I was on there, Ben asked me a really interesting question that I want to pose to you guys because it caught me off guard. And as we know, you know, Ben is usually uh, a very smart football mind, and he knows a lot when it comes to the Broncos. Um, he, he asked me, basically the way he phrased it is this, is are, how do you feel about Tim Patrick? Are you a Tim Patrick guy? Because I see a scenario where Tim Patrick is the starting number two wide receiver for the Broncos across from Cortland Sutton, and Jerry Judy – begins his career in the slot, whereas K.J. Hamler is used more as kind of a weapon. And I got to be honest, guys, I was pretty caught off guard by the question because it's just not something I had thought of. So I want to pose that to you guys. Zach, I'll start with you. How would you feel if when the Broncos came out with their depth chart for week one, it had Cortland Sutton at X, uh, you know, Tim Patrick at Y, and Jerry Judy at Z? Disappointed, honestly. Just, just frankly, I'd be disappointed uh, in, in K.J. Hamler and what happened there. If Jerry Judy's in the slot, that's fine. I don't care where he is. We know he's going to be on the field. But this is a second-round pick that you invested in K.J. Hamler when you could have probably, well, definitely got a starting tackle right now. And I'm okay that the Broncos didn't go tackle in round two, that they went wide receiver. But it told me they thought this guy was so good that they were going to double down on wide receiver and back-to-back rounds. So if uh, a journeyman, Tim Patrick, who, who has had opportunities to grab a number two wide receiver job by the horns and run with it, and he hasn't, if he's beaten out the second-round pick, I would be disappointed. 
But can I see it happening? Yeah, I absolutely can because training camp hasn't even started. And once it does, it's just a month away from the opening from the opening day. So I wouldn't be surprised if KJ Hamler struggles to pick up the playbook and struggles to incorporate in the offense to be the true number three wide receiver on this team in just a month. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the second round pick uh, status of KJ Hamler and uh, whether he should be playing because you, you go back over the years and uh, you know you've got some mixed results. Let's just take say the last twenty years or so. KJ Hamler is the fifth second round receiver the Broncos have had, and the other second round receivers were Darius Watts, Eddie Royal, Cody Latimer, and Cortland Sutton. And two of those guys were playing pretty extensively right away. And I would argue they're the best of the two, Eddie Royal and Cortland Sutton. And while Eddie Royal never matched what he did as a rookie, he had a solid, good career. He, he ended up playing a few more years. He played nine seasons in total because he played more for the Chargers after he was done here. And then Cortland Sutton looks like, looks like he's on the road to stardom. Darius Watson, Cody Latimer, they were busts. So admittedly, if I don't see K.J. Hamler out there as at least the three at some point pretty quickly, I'm going to have to you know, restrain myself to not having the alarm bells go off. Because at least for the Broncos, if that second-round receiver has not worked his way into a reasonably significant role as at least a number three, it's not been a precursor of good things to come. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of uh... – interested by the fact that both of you instantly took this as a a observation on KJ Hamler because my instant reaction is this is an observation on Jerry Judy I think Jerry Judy walks into the NFL as a borderline number one receiver and if he's not the two but the three I'm also worried about him because um you know it to me, that reads as, okay, well, yes, K.J. Hamler's not ready to go in the slot, and Jerry Judy is, but it's also that Jerry Judy's not ready to work on the outside quite yet in the NFL, and I, and I do not want to see that happen. And I think that Jerry Judy should be leaps and bounds ahead of where Tim Patrick is in terms of his uh, skills as a route runner, his ability to get open, uh, and his, just about every category. His speed, he's faster. So, and Tim Patrick's fast, you know, the only place that Tim Patrick has, has Jerry Judy is in um, probably leaping ability and height. So to me, I would be also disappointed that Jerry Judy isn't walking in and, and putting a stranglehold on the number two receiver role. Now that's a good point. But now Ryan, let's say Jerry Judy is the number two wide receiver and he's good enough for that where obviously you're putting him wherever he's best and that's probably on the outside you don't want to stunt his growth just because you can't find a three but who is your three in that case if kj hamler is the one that's lagging because i don't think you're really putting tim patrick in the slot so who would that be well that maybe be... or well it's possible it's not kj hamler it's possible that you're asking jerry judy then to go slot in on sub packages and outside and base because if those are your top three receivers and you're committed to those three, Jerry Judy's skill set translates to the slot because of his route running ability compared to Tim Patrick. So if you're doing that, Zach, I think you've gotta I think you've you've gotta tell Jerry Judy, okay, you're gonna be learning slot as well as learning the outside. If this problem arises, one, I think you have to uh 
consider the the zombie, aka Deshaun Hamilton. Um, I call him the zombie because he uh, arose from the dead after Drew Locke <laughs> came and became the quarterback. But <clears throat> I think um, you know you're bringing in Nick Vanette and Albert Okuebunam and saying, hey, we're going to need you guys because we don't have a slot receiver. We're going uh, a lot more two tight ends than we thought we were going uh, when we thought we were going to go three wide with KJ and, and Jerry and Cortland. I, I just – I got to be honest, I don't think you're putting your best 11 on the field any time that Tim Patrick's out there. And, and I don't mean this to be disrespectful to Tim Patrick. I just don't – I don't think he's a dynamic player in the NFL. I think that he's a – very good depth receiver so to me I think that if you if KJ Hamler is not the slot receiver you have to start rethinking how you're going to attack on offense and we know that coaches are very stubborn about that and so that might not happen but that's what I would be thinking is you need guys who are creating matchup issues uh and I just don't think that uh, Tim Patrick is dynamic enough to to make me feel comfortable with that all right, well, let's actually take a look at Tim Patrick by the numbers because he was elevated to a more prominent role 13 games into the 2018 season. So he's been either a number th- a number three or at times a, a number two for the last 12 games. In those games, he has 35 catches for 476 yards and no touchdowns. If you extrapolated that over 16, it would be 43 receptions, 635 yards, no touchdowns. And I guess what I'm saying is, if you look at that production, is that the type of, pro- of production level where you say, okay, he should be getting more opportunities, or should you be looking toward the younger guys with a little bit more natural potential? Yeah, you're looking toward, you're looking toward the younger guys, definitely. And that's why Tim Patrick's on the team, is because you can count on him to come in and be solid but you didn't use a first and a second round pick to have, okay, a replacement level play. You didn't do that. You did it to upgrade the unit. And what you do, I think, is Jerry Judy's on the outside. You have this weapon in Noah Fant, 4 five, 40. He's your slot guy, and that's what you do. And then K.J. Hamler can be the weapon that he can be for the first couple games of the season when he's still picking up the offense. Yeah, he's a he's a bit better than replacement level though, Zach. I, I mean, replacement level, and this is going to tick off at least one listener, I'm sure. Replacement level is what River Craycraft was while he was uh, here. See, I see him as sub replacement <laughs> level, definitely. Oh, <laughs> like did he even ever have a catch? And some punt return work, and it, it just. Oh boy, with River, I I liked him coming out, and I I was a little bit of a stand for him. And all I'll say is, I would have liked to have seen him if he hadn't hurt his knee at Washington State. Yeah, it was it was definitely a fluid situation with River. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. 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 <laughs> you you had to go there, didn't you? Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When it rains, it pours. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and what does that do to rivers? Oh, it makes them grow. They fly. <laughs> it makes them cray. Oh, jeez. This, hey, ro- this is eroding to a bad place. But you know what else rain does? It doesn't just make the rivers flow. It makes the grass grow. Maybe the grass in your backyard. Wow. Full yep. circle. Yeah. <laughs> I would have to say that uh, the Craycraft uh, 
era is water under the bridge at this point. <laughs> you win. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Um, anyways, I think we're all in agreement here. You need to have those three guys on the field. Like that is your most dynamic combination. And if you have to live with some growing pains, early in the season it sounds like John Elway is prepared to do that you know he's the one that's prepping us for growing pains I think uh he might be more prepared for that than any of the players obviously uh the coaches and and, and probably the the fans and the media as well so uh I think even if you know uh Zach Azani goes into John Elway's office and Vic, and, and Vic Fangio's there as well and he says hey look I think having Tim Patrick on the field early in the season gives us the best chance to win. I think that they, they still might tell him mm, we need dynamic players on the field and we're going to put uh, Jerry Judy outside and KJ Hamler in the slot. And another reason why John Elway tempered expectations, because this is a young team and he wants that team to grow. And why would you, uh, at least don't stagger throughout the season, just have it all at once, get those growing pains out of the way and then have everyone be on the same page. John knows this is a young team, and there's going to be some rookie mistakes. Ha- have it happen all together. Just get them out of the way. That That's how I would view it, at least, instead of just having these issues come throughout the season because you prolong some of them. Yeah, start the clock on their development. If you know that they can be productive for you for the long term, just go ahead and put them out there unless they're just making a bushel full of mistakes, learn with them. And, you know, you mentioned some of the things about the tight ends. If worst comes to worst, you can use Noah Fan as a slot receiver. I know you may talk about Nick Vanette and Albert O. Well, I was Noah, talking about them as the second guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Noah Fant in the slot, if worst comes to worst, is going to be somebody that causes some serious problems especially when you get him just running that quick out and get him into the flat where he does so much damage. So I think you're going to be able to, uh, to be able to do some good things, maybe on a, not on a consistent basis, but do some good things early on. But, you know, I think uh, John Elway's John Elway has a sensibility about this offense and a realistic sensibility and kind of tempering expectations that frankly, I wish he would have I, I wish he would have shown a little bit more in the last couple of seasons in general with a team at large kind of tempering uh the expectations now some of the moves didn't always kind of didn't always kind of jive with that but this is where I said hey you know if you're rebuilding just come out and say it it's okay didn't do that but now he's saying temper expectations for the offense so I wonder if he's learned a couple of lessons here as far as managing the public perception of what his team is expected to be. Well, Mace, when you do a rebuild, what's the first thing that you have to do? Water, rivers, bridges. <laughs> no, you got to have a foundation. And John never had a foundation before, so he knew he couldn't rebuild with, with no foundation. Now he finally has a foundation and he can build from there. Well, say that we're acquiring the foundation. I mean, the, the funny thing is, I mean, you could say – in retrospect, now they were acquiring the parts. I just always it it kind of drove me crazy, and part of it was also being on the team side of things because he wouldn't say rebuild, and the Broncos wouldn't say rebuild. I couldn't say rebuild, even though I knew they were rebuilding. 
Guys, well, what's funny, when we talked to John about this uh, just a couple weeks ago, he said, well, you know, you guys would have had a heyday if I would have ever said we were rebuilding. Uh, and actually, I think we would have been a lot, I think everyone would have been a lot nicer to John mm-hmm. these past couple of years if he just said, yeah, you know, we just won a Super Bowl and now we're going to rebuild so that we can win another one. John, we, ever, you, you would have had a lot of, of weight off your back. Yeah, he would have had the hand to say it because he just built two different kinds of Super Bowl teams in a four-year stretch, and in his first six seasons on the job, had not had a losing season after inheriting a 4-12 and team. I think if he had come out and said that word, people, fans would have been okay, people, would have, uh, people in the media would have been okay, and you know what? He would have gotten the benefit of the doubt because of all that happened from 2011 through 2015. First, getting the team from four and twelve to eight and eight, then building a team around Peyton Manning, and then building a great defense that was able to carry Peyton Manning when his skills were declining. I think he would have. I think uh, the word rebuild, people would have had a lot of faith in him. Yeah, it's interesting to look back and and think that. I mean, I think everyone can agree now, with hindsight being twenty twenty, that John should have burned it all down after the Super Bowl and said we're starting fresh. Um, and we're not going to get into whether or not he should have re-signed Von Miller after that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the writing is there now that shows you they would have been better off just, I mean, breaking it all down and building from there. And if, and if Von Miller was part of the foundation, then he was, but they didn't need to bring back CJ Anderson and they didn't need to sign up Brandon Marshall and all this stuff, trying to keep the pieces together of a uh of a of a house that had lost part of its foundation or the well, biggest yeah. part of its foundation yeah i mean it wasn't that it wasn't like linebacker for example for brandon marshall it wasn't that they shouldn't have re-signed the guy it was that in retrospect they re-signed the wrong guy and sure. they should they should have brought back trevathan who ended up having a longer shelf life and earned a, a third contract and a second contract specifically from the chicago bears so i mean there are some missteps along the way but I think with any decision any player re-signed it should have been with the thought okay if we do rebuild this is this player going to be valuable on the other side of the rebuild that's where I think Vaughn Miller still might have just slid in there and been re-signed if you did commit to a rebuild believing that on the other side he was still going to be a valuable player and we're kind of going to find out this year on that one. Yeah, we certainly will. I certainly know that Trevor Simeon would have been part of that rebuild. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> wow, man. Well, uh, by the way, where's that? A... Do you have a Trevor bur- bur- bobblehead yet? Is that... Oh, I don't. Maybe he's I mean, my first. Yeah, I'm just thinking we need a shelf because you've got your lanyards behind your left shoulder. Yeah. We need a shelf on that wall where the Trevor Simeon bobblehead is sitting there and there needs to be a light above it. <laughs> so there, it's always like in some kind of divine illumination in your apartment. He's got divine illumination in my heart, Mace. Uh, well, we do have a Trevor Simeon bobblehead at the DNVR bar. And we also have all sorts of Breck brews, including finally the Strawberry Sky is on tap at the DNVR bar. We were full. We had to finish a keg before we could bring in a new one. We finally did it. So now we got the strawberry sky on tap and 
new people are trying Strawberry Sky every day. Uh, our bartender, Crystal, yesterday told me, I'm not even a beer drinker, and I am obsessed with this stuff. It's so good. Uh, so, you know, after a, a hot day out there in the sun at training camp as we're sitting up there on the hill, I can't wait to come back to the DNVR bar and get a fresh pour of Strawberry Sky as we sit down to discuss what happened. Uh, so you could try, of course, many Breck brews at the DNVR bar, or you can just get them at your local liquor store. You can get the Mile High City Copper Lager 15-pack. You can get all sorts of different Breck brews. If you have a favorite style of beer, I'm sure Breck makes it, and you're going to love what they have to offer. So check out Breck Brews today and, uh, and crack one open and enjoy. Huge weekend for the Broncos coming up with the start of camp and huge weekend in the UFC with UFC 252 sports, two most respected fighters stepping into the octagon this weekend. And there's no better place to get in on the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. And for this weekend's fights, DraftKings is offering new users the opportunity to bet $1 to win $250. So DraftKings Sportsbook, new users, bet $1 to win $250 when you place a bet on the big fight. So head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including fighter props, round-by-round betting, and so much more. Plus, with basketball playoffs here, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering $10 in free bets to use in in-game action for every day of the first round of the playoffs. So DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. It's a win-win all around. Plus, that one to win 250 is there. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $250 on this weekend's main event. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering them the chance to win $250 when placing a $1 bet by using the code DNVR. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. By the way, speaking of DraftKings, guess who is now a four for his last four on picks of the week? Hey, Aaron Nola, ten strikeouts in eight innings last night. <laughs> I wasn't happy that my team lost thirteen to eight, fell behind thirteen to one at one point. But uh, when I saw Nola staying in there until the seventh, eighth inning and racking up that strikeout count, I Felt, still felt pretty good. So you know what my bet next week is going to be. <laughs> I, uh, I was due for a cold night, and it finally came around. Um, the only one I ended up hitting last night uh, was Michael Porter Jr. over two and a half threes. Michael Malone did us dirty. Did you dirty, Zach? Yeah, he did. Because Michael Porter Jr. had yet to miss a shot in the game. He was a perfect six for six for 15 points. And then he didn't play again. Yeah, I <laughs> I thought I was money because MPJ was money and didn't come through with me. Oh, man, so disappointed. But I can't – you got to stick with it because it's one in the past. So I'm going to be checking that number out in the future for sure. Although who would have thought we would have been sitting here as we get toward the end of the regular season – 
when the bubble opened, who would have thought we'd be sitting here saying that Michael Porter Jr. is getting rested so he can be a, a huge part of the postseason run? How things have changed in a couple of weeks, guys. You know what that reminded me of? Uh, was when Philip Lindsay didn't play in the third preseason game or the uh, fourth preseason game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we said, okay, his spot, we knew it was locked in. Now <laughs> we really know it's locked in. Uh, when Michael Porter Jr. got to rest with the starters in the fourth quarter last night, it was like, okay, Malone gets what's going on here. Man, it's going to be Don't sit talent. Yeah, don't rest talent. Have it out there when it matters. It's – oh, boy. Can't wait. Can't wait for the playoffs. Can't wait. Can't either. Uh, all right. Let's get into the questions for the listeners. And the first one is teed up for you, Mace. All right. Yes, let's get started with our friend, The Count. Wait, wait. You guys can talk about trimming your bags on the daily, but I make one mention of cereal-induced pea fragrance, and I get the hook – Glass houses, my boys. Glass houses. Love. <laughs> count. I think this is uh, just a shot at you, Ryan. You're, he's calling you glass. He's calling you soft. I, <laughs> I don't think he got the hook. I just think it was like, a, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> uh, next one is from Nick Berger Bronco. Sup, boys? Been a while since I commented. Thanks to a busy summer keeping homeowners and businesses air conditioners operational in the Chicagoland area with a warmer than normal summer and a lot more people at home than ever before thanks to Quarantina 2020. Nobody cares. I get it. But I want you all to know I stay up to date and I enjoy the hell out of you. A few things today. One, visors are in full force and I love it. Visor lock is fire. I know it means nothing, but damn, this young team has swag and it looks good. What's that famous quote by Deion Sanders? What is the famous quote? <laughs> I, I don't Look know. Look good, but feel good, play good? I, I, I guess. Is? I mean, it's, it, I thought it was I never wear the same shoe twice. <laughs> I think we're wow. going look good, feel good, play good. Okay. Good timing yeah. for a Deion Sanders quote. He said, yeah. Two, I see an acronym frequently with Coach Z and the receivers, RDA. Any clue what that means? Thanks. Anyone? Anyone? No. Yeah, so it, oh, Cortland Sutton told us last year. Oh, I don't remember. I, I, unless it's recommended daily allowance, I, I don't think that's what it is. <laughs> unless it's about getting your recommended daily number of, you know, of minutes on the jugs machine, of, of repetitions, of, of balls that you catch, that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's that. I really don't remember. I do know that I knew at one point. Okay. That's yeah. all I've got, though. <laughs> well, man, Thick Burger Bronco, thank you so much for rolling with us and saying hello. We absolutely love it. You, you've got it. You've caught us with both of those questions. We don't know. Yes, you have. Broncos Only says, I want to weigh in on the controversy of Zach calling out Mace for speaking when he's muted. It's hilarious. It's clearly infuriating to Mace, but shoulder shrug emoji. And, yeah, I had to reply, and, and the reply basically comes down to, it only infuriates me when I am actually sitting there with my mouse or my touchpad and I'm clicking to unmute myself and Zach yells muted. That's just part of, we have a little bit of a delay here. And like I said in the comment, my biggest pet peeve is being asked about something that I am in the process of doing. <laughs> oh, I just, my I just wife jump is, in. 
Yeah, my wife has found this out. Like she'll say, if I'm working on getting the trash out, she asked me to take the trash out. I'm like, I'm doing this. <laughs> you're <laughs> like, oh. you're asking me. You're like, <laughs> open your eyes. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I'm committed and, to finding out what this means before this podcast is over. RDA, huh? Yep. Yep. I'm I'm hooked on it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, uh, you you find that out. We'll we'll move on with the comments. This one from Dietrich. I'm finally getting around to make a comment on the pod after subscribing at the beginning of June. I went with the pocket flag shirt, clean and simple. I started listening when quarantine started and need more podcasts to listen to. The DMVR Broncos podcast quickly became my favorite. Well, thank you, Dietrich. We love you riding with us. I have already gone back and listened to every podcast since you guys started pounding the table for Drew Locke midseason. I am currently working on the first half of the season. There was some optimism at the beginning of the season, but with each loss along the road to 0-4, that optimism faded away. The Broncos finally got a win, which uplifted your spirits a bit, but the consensus is that the goal is to find out if Drew is a starter or not. I'm looking forward to hearing your reactions <clears throat> Pardon me, to the win against the Titans. I also love hearing your predictions for what happens later in the season, knowing the results myself. You guys actually got a lot of stuff right, except for positive vibes Thursdays. Those didn't turn out well. Thanks. <laughs> positive vibes Thursdays. I forgot about those. Oh, boy. There were some – as we got into November and we were trying to have positive vibes about Brandon Allen, or at least I was trying to have positive vibes about Brandon Allen. I mean, I know it wasn't a problem for Zach. <laughs> oh, you mean El Magnifico? Yeah. <laughs> It just oh. doesn't – Positive Vibes Thursday just doesn't roll off the tongue, so we kind of set ourselves up for failure there. Well, Positive Vibes Thursday is all – it's also all about you, Zach, because you are you – are, you are sunny. I think RK is somewhere in between. Me – did you guys – you guys never saw the kids' movie Trolls, did you? No. Okay, no. our listeners with kids probably would be familiar with Branch, who at one point is – uh, it's a little bit of a grumpy troll. I think he's a realist. Like he, he is the only troll in the town that has a lick of common sense. I'm not saying you guys don't have common sense, but he is a little bit negative. And the other side of branches, they it turns out he's a doomsday prepper. I'm not at that level just yet. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, uh, Zach is a beacon of sunshine. It's that's uh, it's what makes him. It's what makes him great. I think Zach, uh, Zach has me. positive vibes every day. <laughs> it's in the it's hard not to, rolling with you guys. In the troll kingdom, Zach would be Princess Poppy. Princess oh. Poppy? What are you doing to me now? Well, no, but she's the most positive <laughs> person. She's, uh, all, she's, she's always smiling. She's the one who brings the light of positivity to the otherwise dark branch. Of course, the two of them end up working together to save the troll kingdom and everybody's happy in the end and la 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 well, i'm down to that? let the trolls die you want them to be eaten because that's what happens they would have been eaten if, if it means they're out of my mentions on twitter yeah i'm down for them to get eaten <laughs> all right next one's from big tony i was not i i exhausted all my resources searching for rda and i wasn't able to find it the uh the only thing that i found on rda was zach azani is the founder of it whatever yes. it is i i knew that oh oh so that maybe 
if it's a founder, maybe the A is association. Oh. Like associations have founders, you know. Routes, direction, association. Run. Run that ass. <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, we'll like go with see, that. You see on Instagram, like he has a post from last year. RDA, love this crew. It's, it's every receiver but Emmanuel Sanders, just all the guys who were there on that day, which means since it's the receivers at the time, it's including our guy, River of Craycraft. <laughs> wow, that oh. is cray. And also Brendan Langley in his short-lived stint as a Broncos wide receiver is in oh, this picture. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Third-round pick, Brendan Langley. Oh. All right, next one here is from Big Tony. RK, clarification on why I'm named Big Tony. I'm 6'2", it used to weigh 280, but I was able to lose 75 pounds in keto. Uh, so the weight fell off, but the name stuck. Well, first of all, congratulations. That's awesome. Keto yeah. is, uh, is pretty great when you, when you get locked in on it. Uh, he says, anyways, another cool story that I've been waiting to share. Back when I was living in Vegas doing Uber, I picked up a guy and happened to have the pod playing while I was driving him. And he asks, you a big Broncos fan? I respond, the biggest you could find. Turns out I was taking him to a business meeting, and one of his partners just so happened to be former Broncos safety Quentin Carter. Fast forward to the end of the ride. As I'm pulling up to his destination, he asks, you want to meet Q? I'll go grab him. He should be inside. I responded, yeah, of course. A few minutes later, out strolls Quentin. I jump out of my car, walk up to him, and he dabs me up. We, talk, uh, we small talked for a second and then took a quick pick together. Super cool, random experience. <laughs> That's wow. very cool. That's very random. That, that is awesome. Uh Quentin Carter, what might have been his rookie season after he emerged and took a spot in the starting lineup, looked like he was in play for great things as a safety. Yep. And then he had to go practice over at the South Suburban Family Sports Center, mm. the old bubble that the Broncos had to take their players down the street to whenever it was raining. That turf – was in miserable shape. No NFL team should ever have been practicing on it. But the Broncos didn't have a full indoor facility at the time. They went over there. He hurt his knee. Never the same after that. Quentin Carter, the victim of the Family Sports Center in Centennial. What a shame. Otherwise, I think he would have earned a second contract and had a nice long career with the, with the Broncos. He was that good as a rookie. He was really, really impressive. Because like, they drafted him and Raheem Moore. And he was drafted two rounds after Raheem Moore. But when you got them out there, it was clear Carter, he had more awareness, more speed, more aggressive, more aggressiveness, picked up the scheme faster. He was, he was on his way. The dude could ball. Big 12. He was out of the big 12, right? Oklahoma. Yeah. 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 Before we move on, shout out to Davidson's two locations, Highlands Ranch and Centennial locally owned massive selection you can carry out personal, uh, our personal favorite Breck brews and so, so, so much more. They have an incredibly knowledgeable staff over there who can help you find whatever you need. Uh, and they truly, truly have everything you could imagine when it comes to beer, wine, and spirits. So head over to Davidson's in Centennial and Highlands Range and get yourself hooked up. Make sure to check out WGT Golf. It's my favorite golf app it's our favorite gaming app but don't just listen to us listen to the hundreds of dnvr members that are already playing wgt golf because we had dnvr one clubhouse 
we had DNVR2 Clubhouse, and those both filled up so quickly that we had to open up DNVR3. And guys, I mean, just the way it's going, we're probably going to have to open up DNVR4 Clubhouse soon. But right now, when DNVR3 Clubhouse is open, get yourself a spot. Download WGT Golf at dnvrgolf.com. That lets WGT know that you want to play with us. So go to dnvrgolf.com, download WGT Golf, then go into the clubhouses, type DNVR3 and DNVR, the number three, into the clubhouses and join that. It gets you the exclusive right to join our tournaments that we have every single week. And you can play other members throughout the week from this DNVR community. And one thing that I love about D or WGT Golf is you can play at real courses like St. Andrews, like Pebble Beach. That's where Ryan gets the inspiration for the grass that he wants to grow, looking <laughs> at those St. Andrews greens. So make sure to check them out, dnvrgolf.com, to download WGT Golf. All right, do next we one. Really, do we really regard St. Andrews as the pinnacle of greens, by the way? No, but probably not. We no. don't need to. Pebble yeah. Beach. Okay. <laughs> Augusta. Yeah, Augusta. Oh, yeah. 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 All right. Next one here is from Dan Burke. It's Throw Hands Tuesday, and ESPN is the one catching them. I'm going to need Mace to muster up enough strength to get mad about this. They did a ranking of each team's under 25 talent, and they had the Broncos at 19. And not only that, they think Sua Cravens is on the roster. <laughs> Even if we take Drew out of the equation. Can y'all tell me if there are 18 teams that have a better under 25 roster than Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and, of course, Calvin Anderson, <laughs> Albert Okwe-Budon, Bradley Chubb, Lloyd Cushenberry, and Draymond Jones? The article is essentially which teams have drafted the best over the past three seasons. I'm pretty sure y'all would agree that the Broncos have been, the number, uh, have been one of the better teams drafting since 2018. Not only that, but the Giants were ranked number two Evan Ingram misses the age threshold. So it's a great running back coming off an injury plagued and less productive season as rookie year. And Andrew Thomas, I guess, there's no way Daniel Jones moves the needle enough that the Giants are 17 spots better than the Broncos. SMH. Yeah, well, for that one, the only thing that makes sense is you have the New York part of it in front of the Giants getting that New York bias there. No, that's ridiculous that the Broncos would be at 19. Absolutely ridiculous. Honestly, though, like, the second that you saw Sue Cravens on there, you just <laughs> you just delete it and erase ESPN from your bookmarks and go over to the dnvr.com and see what we've had going the last couple of days. Well, the other thing is, I mean, I'm, I, I know this is about the Chiefs, but how do you have Kansas City 10 when their under-25 quarterback literally has put together the best two-season stretch the best opening two-season stretch, pardon me, for a starting quarterback in the history of the sport. Yeah. How do you have them down at 10 in terms of the, the impact that guy is having? I just – yeah, there's, there's so much wrong. You can just kind of – you can just – with this list, you could be here for days breaking down everything that is wrong about what ESPN did here. Who did this? It was, let's see, Scott Spratt. Scott, come, come on, on, come Scott. on, Scotty. Yeah. <laughs> Scott Spratt's list went splat. This is, <laughs> this is honestly one where it it's laughable. It shouldn't get you upset because there's so many things wrong with it. Not just with the Broncos, but what Mace pointed out about the Chiefs. It, you, you look at this, you get mad, you realize how much there's there is wrong with it, and you say, 
Okay, wow, this guy didn't even try. I'm not going to waste my energy on it. This is why we need games, because the best part of, like, the NBA, NHL, well, not the best part, but one of the best parts, for me at least, of NBA, NHL, MLB starting is, okay, it's been games, and now the NFL is about to follow with training camp practices and games. None of this, you know, random list-making crap. We can actually start talking about things that are actually happening on the field, on the court, on the ice. Hallelujah. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Mark IT Snatch says, hey, guys, today we take a painful look at the Los Angeles Rams. I wish I could say history were on the Broncos' side, or Bucks for that matter, but it isn't. The last time Denver beat the Rams, Brian Greasy threw a game-clinching touchdown to Eddie Mack in the fourth quarter. This game also featured a kickathon in the second with five field goals in one quarter, six total. The Broncos won 23-16 to against the remnants of the greatest show on turf. In 14 games, the Broncos have won five. Please don't tell me this is the pinnacle of a dismal matchup. As per usual, Mace, what about the Bucks? Well, first of all, I think you're right on with the Broncos-Rams week one of 2 And, yeah, it was Ed McCaffrey coming back from the injury that he had the previous year and having a touchdown catch. It was Clinton Portis with a key fourth down run late in the game to allow the Broncos to drain more clock. Don't forget also the Rams were coming off winning the NFC Championship and losing in Super Bowl 36. So it was the greatest show on turf is coming to Denver, and the Broncos held them to 16 points. So that was a great day and certainly went against the general run of things for the Broncos against the Rams. As for Bucks rams it's from that same era. You go to 2000, Week 16, Monday Night Football. Of course, they played in the NFC Championship game the January before. Monday Night Football, Bucks and Rams play, and they're both fighting for playoff position. It is an absolutely wild game that goes down to the wire. And on the Bucks game-winning drive, there's a play where Sean, where uh, Sean King appears to be sacked. Looks like he's in trouble, but somehow he gets the ball away to Warwick Dunn, who takes off. It, place goes absolutely crazy with it. It was improv. It was off the cuff. The Bucks go on to win that game, I believe, like 38-35. It, it was just a wild, fun Monday night game. Unfortunately, the Bucks lost the next week and then lost the wild card game. But that moment was a great moment. It was probably Sean King's best moment as the Bucks quarterback, too. There you go. All right, next one here. From LDJ, our guy. Hey, guys. First, thanks for the realistic expectations of DeMar Dotson. I can't believe it's 2020 and we're still having issues with right tackle, but I appreciate the perspective. I hopped on today because I was moved by a tweet thread by Mace in regards to the energy and interactions on Twitter because I empathize with you, Mace, on levels you do not understand. Twitter confuses me to no end. There's so many ideas, so many gray areas, and so many suggestive theories, and so much misinformation. I don't know if it's platform. Uh, for me, I use Instagram mostly. I hopped on Twitter in April to monitor the pandemic and Broncos news uh, because basically due to COVID, I lacked as many sources as I had before because no one was around, unfortunately. So I went to Twitter. Since hopping on Twitter in April, I've had anxiety, uncertainty, and almost a dysphoric mood uh, as conversation and discourse doesn't matter. Only who can appear to be right in the argument. It's frustrating no one is listening to each other and everyone is posting stuff for likes and catering to their base. It's like, what can I say? Uh, that will have a bunch of people agree with me and make you look bad. Bottom line, I'm with you, Mason. If Twitter wants to start charging for its use, I'd pay a subscription merely 
to root out misinformation and bot accounts and opportunities to emerge into groups of like-minded individuals and have discourse because Twitter is a grand scan of thoughts and not a real social conversation about ideas. I say that to say that at least the DNVR family isn't like that. We're family from all over with different backgrounds, with different ideas that love the Broncos and will always find a common ground for our team. And that's why sports is awesome, right? Thanks guys. And have an awesome day. Wow. Well, first I appreciate you, uh, you noticing my tweets there I in the middle of the night, LDJ. So I you know literally, I think it was about one thirty or two in the morning that I put those up. But um, I think every word you said is right on. I think uh, I, one thing that I've noticed is that I'm, I'm on Twitter less and I'm enjoying it less because of a lot of the garbage that is out is floating around out there right now. You've really got to sift through it to find uh, the positives. And sometimes it, it just, it's, the effort to sift through it is 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 tiring and taxing so uh yeah i'm i'm with you i think uh everything you said is right on especially about uh, our little family over here at dnvr as well i think uh that's one of the things that we're we're trying to you know we may not say things that everybody agrees with but i think we're trying in general to bring people together as much as we can yeah, yeah where you guys are going wrong is trying to get into um nuanced arguments with people on twitter that's just a bad idea overall you just try to post some jokes or uh something that people uh, find exciting or interesting and then get out of the way and uh and once in a while you can have you know a civil conversation usually it's with a fellow member of the dnvr family it really is it really is yeah. you guys are the best on all platforms that's for sure like arguing with someone or disagreeing with someone on Twitter, it's just you're just signing up for failure. But I think also what you see out there is like, I, I think one of the things that spurred me, it was seeing this story about somebody who was at Sesame Place, as in Sesame Street, an apartment in, or amusement park, pardon me, in outside of Philadelphia, literally punching a worker there because they were told to wear a mask in the park and the poor worker got hospitalized. And I'm thinking, man, I, I feel like I was better when I didn't know about all this stuff going on everywhere. When like, or videos of, of people melting down in grocery stores because they won't wear masks. I feel like, I feel like we do too much amplification of garbage yeah, it might and, be we true. To, and we need to cut and cut that out. Like I, I don't want to see any more videos of any more people in grocery stores freaking out because they won't wear a mask. I really don't want to see it. I feel like I was, I feel like every time I see one of those, I lose faith in humanity and it's fair. I want to have some faith in humanity. You do have some good control over your Twitter timeline though. Like whoever's bringing that to your timeline, just mute them. <laughs> well, sometimes these things spread and the next thing you know, you have 10 people that are retweeting it. So I end up seeing 10, seeing it 10 times and it's like, okay, enough, enough. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. It's the great thing about Twitter, just how much information is there. And it can also mm -hmm. be the infuriating thing is how much information or disinformation is there. Yeah. Next True. one here comes in from true champ fan 24 and Oh, true champ fan. <laughs> My guy, you you challenged me to this pizza bet saying that the, the the Utah Jazz would beat the Nuggets more times than the Nuggets would beat the Jazz this year. And it's just crazy because 
The Nuggets swept the Jazz right off the floor. They didn't even get one win. Uh, Rudy and your boys just cannot hold down the Nuggets, even with 363 pointers being made by Donovan Mitchell. None of it's good enough to beat the Nuggets. So whenever you want to send that pizza over, I'll be waiting and hungry. Yeah, true champ fan. I, I should have warned you, Ryan, Ryan doesn't forget about pizza bets. Nope. Sitting on three. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> one, more pe- <laughs> one more pizza bet and I can build a whole car with four wheels out of pizzas for wheels. <laughs> you wouldn't do that to a pizza, though. Would you waste it like that? No, I wouldn't. But I can't <laughs> wait for my pizzas. I might eat them all in one night. <laughs> Stack them on top. Pizza sandwich? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Anyways, he does have a question. He says, I have a question on your shower topic. My girlfriend thinks I take too short of showers and that I should take longer showers. RK, you said you take shorter showers, but are they in that five-minute range? I mean, everyone enjoys a nice, long, hot shower, but usually I take a quick five-minute shower. I'm able to accomplish all the soaping that needs to be done. Am I alone in this? Is five or six minutes too short of a shower? Listen, the length of a shower is only dependent on how long it takes you to put soap on your body wash it off and then put shampoo on your hair and wash that off you can get this done in three minutes or less Mm. um the only thing that takes any time in my shower is sometimes i take a minute or two just to get the right temperature there and then i like i said yesterday i'm tweaking the the temperature throughout but in a rush i could be in and out of the shower in under two minutes wow that is impressive I don't think there's anything wrong with a short shower. Like if someone were to take a short shower, um, I wouldn't be on them for taking too short of a shower. I just can't physically get soap on my body in less than five minutes. It, j- it just, it's a long process to me. My girlfriend's like, why? Are you using a paint Wait. roller? What? <laughs> you, have yes. one, you need one of those little lather builders. So you like, those little, you know, they're not foam, but you know, a loofah? Oh, the loofahs. No, they're not because they're not. It's not quite a loofah. A loofah is like a sponge type of thing. But you, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you 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 put the body wash on there, and then you just go to work. Come on, guys, if you're doing it right, you can you can get one of those things, and you can have every square inch of your body soaked up in less than two minutes. Oh, wow. I, wow. I just think that that's, that's humanly impossible. You know what? I'll take a video this next time I shower and share it with you guys. Good, good. I'll be, hey, you know, I mean, this could be like a Seinfeld episode. I'll be happy to share some technique with you and. Look, we all know. Gravity is your friend. Lather builders are your friend can do this a lot faster i mean i can't imagine taking more than five minutes to shower ever listen we all know there's four main areas you gotta get the yeah. others just need a quick little swipe <laughs> you don't yeah. need to like scrub on your arms you know as my parents would say when i was younger when uh if you need to take a quick shower they'd say pits and parts there you go exactly <laughs> exactly that's all you really need and you know maybe you get a little face action going and you're good to go. Uh, yeah, uh, to answer your question as directly as possible, true champion, true no. Five to six minutes, not only is it plenty of time to shower, it's also water efficient, which we could use a little bit more of in this world. 
It's true. That's very, very true. Next one from T Woods. Hey guys, hope all is well. In the past few podcasts, Mace has been talking about Moody being a future starter. I'm just wondering where he would fit in. We have Reisner and at LG and Cushenberry at center, and then Graham Glasgow at right guard for the next four years with dead money even in his fourth year. Thanks again. Well, I'll I'll say this. Even even though his frame and his arm length are not ideal, his arm length is 31 and three-quarter inches. Don't close your eyes to the notion of him being a starting tackle because he has played tackle at Fresno State. He played it well when asked to. Just because he doesn't have the ideal measurables doesn't mean that he doesn't have the quickness, the, the quickness, the forward drive, the ability to get set up, and the power that you need to play tackle. So what I'm saying is that I wouldn't at all be shocked. We talk about, okay, you could draft a tackle next year and you could add a right tackle of the future later on in the draft. Maybe your right tackle of the future ends up being someone like Natani Muti. I think if he's as good as I expect him to be and he's healthy, I think they'll find a way to get him out there, even if it is playing tackle. I think he'll do fine there, even though he doesn't have the requisite length. He has so much of the other skills that you want in your offensive tackle. One Look, thing the Broncos should be open to literally anything at right tackle. <laughs> they should, I mean, from Zach Stevens to Matani to Natani Muti, it's worth a try at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll even take a minimum deal to give it a try. I won't yeah. uh, nickel and dime them. And uh, I agree with you, Ryan. And one thing that I'm softening up to a little bit if Mike Munchak thinks Dalton Reisner can be a great tackle after this year. I would be okay with trying it out if there's a full off season where you can do it. If he's not just going to be an average tackle, if he's going to be just as good of a tackle as a guard, then he's a tackle. Natani Muti slides in there at guard. If you think you can rely on him, there are some ifs there. Uh, but that's one thing that I'm softening up to a little bit because I do understand where you're coming from. Where's Natani Muti going to play? if you have three positions that, that are already full right now and those aren't going to open up in the near future. Ryan, you're shaking your head. You're cringing. No, man, you drove the car off the lot. <laughs> it's yours now. Like, you have a left guard. That's what he is. Um, here's where I really don't like it. You move Dalton Reisner out to right tackle. He turns out to be not as great as you thought he was going to be. Now Natani Muti's injured, and you're like, oh, all right, all right. We'll just put Dalton back at left guard, and uh, Elijah Wilkinson will go in there, right? And, like, now you're playing this musical chairs thing. It's just lock him in at a position, leave him there, let him be a pro bowler, and get out of the way. I hate, hate, hate the idea of moving guys around once they've established themselves somewhere. So now where does Natani Muti fit in? Because let's say you do try him at right tackle because he's probably not going to play this year. So you give him a year to develop into that. And then he gets hurt after you're counting on him to be a starter. Now right tackle is just as bad as it's ever been because now you're playing the musical chairs with right tackle. I say you play him in one game, he plays really good, and you trade him. <laughs> there, but then what's a right tackle whoever you traded him for <laughs> i like it i like it <laughs> it's like someone uh brought up on twitter last night um 
the Nuggets trading Jamal Murray and MPJ for Ben Simmons. Uh. And uh, regardless of whether you whether you like that idea or not, um, the point was you know like you, I'm gonna touch wood before I even say this. <laughs> you're never gonna you're never gonna be a thousand percent confident in MPJ's health, and right now you could you would be able to sell him extremely high. Natani Muti is going to be the same way. You'll never be able to say, like, just put Natani Muti down for 16 games this year and roll him out. But, like, if he plays really good and someone wants to pay, you might save yourself a lot of anxiety over his health. Yeah, yeah, very very true. Now, would you do that basketball trade right now? No. Um, now, our guy Adam Adas is steadfast that Ben Simmons and Nikola Jokic – in the pick and roll would be legitimately unstoppable. <laughs> um, and I kind of am with him on that. You basically have like Ben Simmons is, is essentially Nikola Jokic as well. Like the, they're, they're very similar in their traits and what they do, what they do really well. Uh, I just, I don't like guards who can't shoot. It just, it drives me nuts. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. So I, I don't know if I would do it. And also, the thing about um, Nikola Jokic and Ben Simmons, what they would do is create so many open threes. But if you trade away MBJ, you don't have anyone who can <laughs> – and Jamal Murray, you don't have anyone who can make those open threes. No, exactly, exactly. That is, that's kind of wild already. That's where we are with MPJ. But that's why it's one of the most exciting times in Denver sports recently. MPJ is like far and away the best shooter on the Nuggets, except for maybe Bull Bull. <laughs> Which is wild, the tallest guy. <laughs> yeah. Wild, wild, wild. Next one's from uh, the other Ryan. He says, My boys, thank you for the birthday wish on yesterday's podcast. It truly meant a lot. The shower talk reminded me of U.S. Supreme Court Justice and Chief Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes Jr., who is a proponent of ice cold showers no matter the time of year that you need to get looked at if you're taking <laughs> ice cold showers in January. In the words of George Costanza, they're for psychotics. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, it also reminded me of when I lived in Guatemala in one area I was in for six weeks. We had, we only had running water every couple of days. So bathing was done by using a pail from a bucket of stored water. I can handle cold running water showers. But to have to brace oneself each morning for douses of pale water is not fun. Yeah, that sounds uh, pretty crazy and definitely uh, is a good reminder of how fortunate we all are to be able to just walk into the shower and turn the water on in the morning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He finishes by saying, with the reported and imminent signing of DeMar Dotson, will this be the Broncos' best offensive line by season's end since the early part of the 2014 season? Garrett Bowles, Dalton Reiser, Lloyd Cushberry III, Graham Glasgow, Dotson, Elijah Wilkinson, Atani Muti, Patrick Morris, Calvin Anderson, shh, Jake Rogers, Ashton Slotman seems like the best, at least on paper, that the Broncos have had on the offensive line in quite some time. Have a terrific Tuesday, DNV Army salute. My dude, you you had a good uh, you know a good <laughs> argument when you were saying Dalton Reisner, Lloyd Cushenberry, Graham Glasgow, and then you just keep going down the list, and it certainly doesn't help your argument. Um, it it may be, but here's the thing that we've talked about with when it comes to the offensive line. Would you rather have a good interior? or a good or good tackles you'd rather have the good tackles and unfortunately the Broncos have it the reverse so 
it may be the best that they've had because of how good their interior could be. But it's, it's just hard to really say that when there's so much uncertainty at tackle. Yeah. 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 I mean, the inside, we can say it's the best interior they've had in a while, but that's also assuming that Lloyd Cushenberry is going to be legit. And we just don't, we can't say that for sure. Right. Exactly. We don't even know if he's going to be the starter. Like we, we know, but we don't know, you know, Patrick Morris, he's on the list here. <laughs> so is Schlotman. <laughs> he's going to get a shot, man. I hope not. But yeah, uh, and game ball, Jake Rogers made the cut on this list. So GBJ. <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, the best since 2014. Mm, that maybe the, the thing about 2014. Remember, guys, that was when the revolving door at right tackle started too, yep. because they moved Orlando Franklin inside and attempted to. It was. Chris Clark, and then it was Paul Cornick, and then they kicked Lou Vasquez uh, back outside. So hmm. I'm actually going to take it a step further. I think this could be the best offensive line since 2012. You know, Ryan Clady played a very high level at left tackle that year. You had uh, you had Zane Beatles, remember him? Dan Copen when he replaced J.D. Walton, who got hurt. With all respect to J.D. Walton, Dan Copen was an, was an upgrade there at center. And then you had Orlando Franklin playing over on the right side. That was a damn good offensive line in 2012. I think the best one the Broncos had in the entire decade. You know what's crazy is Orlando Franklin and Ryan Clady could still be a key part of this offensive line. Ryan Clady's 33, Orlando Franklin's 32. That's why they just feel like things of the past, especially Ryan Clady. I feel like when I look back at his career, I'm like, yeah, man, if he stayed healthy, he would have had a nice career, but, you know, he would have retired five years ago still. It, no, it's it's nuts that those guys could have been a key part of this offensive line. It's why you can't assume. I mean, we can hope. Like, like take Dalton Reisner. We can hope he's going to be a guy who's in the lineup for 8, 10, 12 years, but you just never know. You just never know. I mean, it is crazy that either of those guys wouldn't be the oldest guy on the offensive line if DeMar Dotson starts at right tackle. He's older than both of them. (laughs) Yeah. So is that the plan? Do you call up Ryan in Orlando right now and say, hey, we got an open left tackle and open right tackle spot? I feel better about Ryan Clady at left tackle than Garrett Bull. <laughs> I would too. I, even now, he has he what he literally hasn't played a snap in the last three years, and I'd still feel better about him. Sign me up. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last thing I want to ask you guys: uh, How long does this Demar Dodson not being official have to go on before we start to worry? Toward the end of the week is when I'd worry because he has to go through the COVID protocol testing, which is one test, then two days off, then another test until he can get his physical and they can't sign him until he takes his physical. So um, there was going to be some wait time. And once we pass to later in the week, if it hasn't happened, then it's an issue. But right now, from what I've heard, it's not an issue. Yeah, I'd say Thursday is when you start worrying. Not right now. That's good to hear because in the, in the past, pre-COVID, if a guy comes in for a visit and doesn't, leave with the, and doesn't leave with a contract by the end of that day, you usually know that's something isn't getting done. I remember there was a corner who came in last year who had all sorts of medical issues, but when he was out there, he was good. Uh, his name is escaping me. From the uh, Saints, right? 
yeah, yeah. yeah. And we were starting to get excited about him. And then the day ended, the sun went down, and you knew right then and there he probably didn't pass the physical. Yep. <laughs> yep. Boy, I remember the drama with Theo Riddick, too. Oh, man, what he could have been. Yep, if only they didn't try and show us the dog and pony show of Kevin Hogan being the backup quarterback. We could have seen what Theo Riddick could have been for the Broncos. Man, some people think the Broncos uh, spent bad money on Juwan James. They're, you literally couldn't <laughs> have spent worse money on Theo Riddick. At least you got some value out of your dollars on Juwan last year. Zero wow. on Theo. They literally took $2.7 million and just – lit it on fire and threw it out into the street <laughs> all yep. because all because they didn't want to hand drew lock the backup quarterback position <laughs> yep exactly yep not the starter <laughs> not the starter he had to earn the backup job gotta make him fight for everything bye bye theo riddick uh you know what that is guys it's absolutely ridiculous <laughs> Uh, we had to end on that, didn't we? I had my A game today. It was great. You, really you know did. who always you has did. their A game? It's Green Mountain Dental Group. Best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area. Die-hard Colorado sports fans. And when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you're going to get a free Sonicare toothbrush from the good folks over at Green Mountain Dental Group. So tag us when you go there. Show your support uh, and take care of a, a big staple of the community. Uh, in Green Mountain Dental Group. Make sure you check them out and get all those perks when you head over to Green Mountain Dental Group. But that's going to wrap it up for us today. Boys, it was a fun one. Uh, and I think, you know, we're starting to work ourselves into game shape here as training camp comes around. So I'm excited for that. But for now, it's going to wrap it up for us. Have a great day. Always win.